Welcome to this edition of Rail Group on Air, the podcast series brought to you by Railway Age, Railway Track and Structures, and International Railway Journal. This is William C. Vantuono. I'm editor of Railway Age. Today, we are going to be talking with PS Technology, and I'd like to uh, tell you a bit about PS Technology. The company was founded in 1983, and it has provided software-based railroad asset management systems for crew management, timekeeping, and physics-based simulation with the goal of helping businesses do more with less. PST's asset management systems power the largest railroads in North America and Canada, the crew management, qualification management, and timekeeping solutions have been used to handle the day-to-day operations of more than 100,000 employees who run, maintain, and support rail operations across more than 120,000 miles of rail. For training, the company's physics-based simulation solutions not only provide a premium learning environment, but analyze and optimize power utilization and maintain records of training received. So, uh, wow, founded in 1983. That's, uh, that's about nine years longer than I've been around <laughs> at Railway Age. So very pleased to, uh, to welcome Abhi Bon, who is Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing. And uh, we are going to talk about uh, business in general, how uh when technology is being modernized and uh sort of like a lessons learned session so abby welcome uh great to have you here at uh with with, with me with uh, rail group on air well thank you bill and thank you for the warm introduction and uh, also talking about pst in general um you know but it's, it's an absolute honor to be here you know, Railway Age, of course, as a publication is something that, you know, uh, we we look up to uh, uh, and the industry does at large. And, and you, of course, as you've been described uh, uh, by some of my colleagues and the institution and yourself. So I'm, I'm extremely happy to be uh, on this platform and share some of my thoughts uh, and experiences with you and, and your listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I guess uh, the first thing I'd like to ask you, what are some of the common mistakes that businesses make when they're seeking to modernize their technology solutions? Well, you know, I mean, just I guess as more of um, a background setting, you know, I'm, I'm not somebody who came in from the railroad industry at all. Um, you know, historically, my experience has been outside of railroad and that's what made this whole situation really interesting for me when I came in, you know, and I, and I started to study some of the history around, I spent a lot of time in telecom, for instance, and, and other industries like consumer goods and retail and, and so on. And it was fascinating for me to see how intertwined history was um, between telecom and uh, the railroad industry um, at, at large, right? I mean, um, I think um, the telecoms were pretty much, I think, the first guys who recognized the value of uh, the right-of-way for rails, for instance, and they set up their own whole networks along and so on. And and, and as, as I think, therefore, for the transformations across industries and uh, about what I'm now seeing in, in my uh, short tenure at uh, PS Technology and with the rail industry at large, you know, I think transformations, generally speaking, when, when we 
uh, when we consider them in, in the grander scheme of things. I think for most parts, they tend to, um, you know, I mean, and, and you look at syndicated studies from all the big consulting firms, they'll typically tell you seven in 10 uh, transformations fail. And they fail for good reasons. Um, you know, usually there's no integrated organizational strategy around it. You know, it's, it's more of a me too situation that is, hey, somebody's doing something and I need to hop on the bandwagon and so on. So there's never really a very precise understanding of why you're doing something and what success means, therefore, uh, when you undertake, um, um, you know, your digital transformation strategy. And then, you know, most of the other downstream problems then are a manifestation of just that, which is, you know, there's not enough empowerment in the organization, there's not enough skill, the implementations can be very siloed. And, and usually, you know, um, what happens is that uh, most of these transformations tend to be technology first, uh, rather than value driven, which is, hey, let's put in a piece of, uh, you know, great fancy market leading technology out there, but uh, we worry about that value that we can extract out of it downstream and so on. Uh, and that, in my experience, has generally been, um, you know, the reason why, uh, when, uh, you know, such transformations fail. And then downstream, what happens is if you, even if you stand up workflow systems, uh, usually, usually change management and uh, the organizational adaptation to new ways of working, et cetera, tend to be huge problem areas. And, and that's something that a lot of organizations don't for, focus on. Um, and lastly, governance, right? I mean, um, you, you need to have strong governance both while design, implement, and then ongoing, uh, you know, future state governance to be able to manage all of this uh, very effectively. So that that's really been my experience. Yeah, you know, you you use the word uh, silo, and that's that's a term I've been familiar with for a long time. Being in this industry, you know, railroads are traditionally been organized into silos. You know, you have your engineering department, you have your mechanical department. Uh, communications and signals, IT, but now there, there's, uh, with technology, there's more cross-functionality uh, within, within across those silos, but it's still a pretty heavy lift. Uh, you probably experienced that yourself working with, uh, with, with the, big, the big carriers in, uh, in, in North America. That is correct. That is correct. And usually, you know, they tend to have um, um, you know, fairly diverging, um, you know, expectations and uh, almost, you know, uh, um, agendas, if you will, for, um, you know, uh, the transformation as such, you know, you'll, you'll invariably find the business folks having a certain agenda and then, you know, the operating folks having a different one. And, and that's where, you know, some of these internal mismatches can be <laughs> extremely hard to therefore overcome. And, and which is where, you know, some of the, um, you know, calibration and the leadership, uh, um, you know, sort of comes into play, which is, you know, by having the buy-in right from the very top and setting a common platform and vision for the transformation as such. Uh, you know, that those can be really enabling factors uh, to drive a successful transformation. Yeah, I, I've even seen examples of uh, uh, just from talking to people uh, that, that there's competition sometimes for capital dollars you know the railroads the big class ones have these you know multi-billion dollar capital budgets and of course 
you know everybody wants their needs or want their their piece their piece of the budget and trying to determine well how much do we put into it you know well i want this much or how much do we put into mechanical whatever so there's there's that you know a big company like that uh where you do find some some uh internal strife sometimes uh, in terms of competing for uh for, for capital resources and there's also, you know, I mean, while we serve class ones and, you know, we're lucky and honored to be doing so, uh, you know, another constituency of ours um, from purely as a service provider is also the class twos uh, for, uh, and, the, and the short lines, for instance. And, and we see some of that, um, you know, we see a, a slightly different characteristic when it comes to class twos, um, you know, which is A, from a budgetary standpoint, you know, relatively speaking, um, you know, it, it's a lot more, uh, it's it's a lot different from a scale standpoint, as also the organizational needs being very different. And that's where you, you've got to be innovative when you're driving some of these transformations, which is, hey, you know, I mean, uh, instead of standing up a system which is on-premise, um, you know, a big clunky system, uh, what can you put in something that's more agile, nimble, on the cloud, doesn't have... Uh, a million features on it, but but you know, uh, or functionalities on it. But can you can you scale that down and right size it for a short line, and therefore you know bring in some of those uh, capabilities uh, out there and drive transformation in in their operations. So so we've seen different flavors of this play out uh, with the railroads of different sides, actually. Yeah, and one thing the railroads uh, will, will will tell you that they are very much concerned with, uh, you know, the return on investment. And uh, from your perspective as a technology company uh, and improving technology solutions, you know, it is, has it been difficult to uh, to show the, uh, the, you know, in hard numbers, the ROI uh, over time of making investments in the types of systems that you, that PS technology and, and your contemporaries uh, can provide? Sure. So essentially, I think from a uh, ROI standpoint, you know, I think it's um, um, it's interesting you say that because you know there's um, it's a perennial uh, you know um, issue that organizations globally grapple with, which is you know as you're putting in these big um, you know mission critical systems, um, they're they're not like from uh, a uh, capex standpoint, uh, uh, etc. For for an organization, uh, having said that, you know I think one of the things that we observed in more most recently, I think just a few months back in in our client conference that we had, um, you know we we found actually uh, a slight pivot in terms of how uh, railroads were now looking at some of this. It was not just about hey, by the way, can I make my operations more efficient, more safe, more compliant, and so on. It was also about um, you know, the employee experience and how some of these, um, you know, solutions can actually make employee life, employee life better. And, 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 you know, that's the other thing that we've seen railroads also balance the whole equation with, which is, you know, can I uh, impact the quality of life while I impact the quality of my operations? And, and that's an interesting dynamic that, you know, uh, I've seen develop um, um, very recently, and and that's an important one because as you consider some of these investments, um, you know you will certainly have an ROI from 
um, from replacing a legacy mainframe system, which is 30, 40, 50 years old at times, uh, you don't have skills in the market anymore to support some of these uh, applications. Um, and you will have to sunset, sunset them because of some of those uh, skill gaps. Uh, and while you're doing that and uh, you know taking the business risk out of this uh, from a ongoing support and maintenance perspective and bringing in new features and functionalities by a modern uh, you know, crew management system, for instance, you're also through that same crew management system impacting quality of life for their TMI employees and so on. So, um, so that's the interesting, uh, you know, way that I'm seeing uh, railroads adopt some of this change. So, what we're really talking about here is continuous enhancement uh, in key process functions, as you describe crew management as one of them. How do you identify those key process? functions and how do you plan for continuous uh, improvement or enhancement? Sure, uh, and, and that's a great question, Bill. You know, and I think PSC has been uh, pretty much at the forefront of innovation for the rail industry uh, at large, uh, just given our heritage and our association with, uh, with the rails since 1983, like you rightly pointed out at the onset. Um, and, you know, just having decades of that experience has been invaluable for us, you know, having the expertise to know uh, how railroads work um, inside out and front to back, um, you know, has been, um, is a great starting point for us because as we deploy some of these systems and have deployed them for class ones and short lines uh, and, and having done that for decades now, you know, we've sort of understood the gaps that exist uh, very well, just from a domain expertise point of view, and you know, so, some of our BAs work very actively with uh, with our customers, for instance, to introduce new features and new functionalities. A lot of that happening, for instance, uh, as I was explaining earlier, from a quality of life perspective. You now, so so can you can you introduce uh, stuff uh, within the environment that makes it easier for folks to do trade turns? Um, you know, what used to take uh, days and rings of paper to execute is now just four clicks, uh, for instance, or follow, you know, uh, which is, which is again, something that we developed in terms of pre-arranged layoffs for TNY employees and, uh, and bringing some of, introducing some of those uh, elements into the, uh, into the, you know, product roadmap that, uh, that we deploy for our customers, you know, uh, very actively and, and therefore making their, operations more efficient and uh, more compliant, uh, so to speak, as also, of course, impacting uh, employee experience. So so that's that's the lens with which we look, look at this, which is, hey, how can, can we make the rails operate better and how can we improve their employee experience? So I think those are the two ways that we actively look for situations uh, like the ones that I was talking about, you know, whether that's returns or vacations, for instance, you know, um, uh, our crew management system, you know, from uh, all of the, uh, you know, wonderful things that it does for uh, railroads today, you know, we we actually reduced um, uh, the cycle time from a vacations administration perspective by as much as 90%. So uh, that's, that's there for, you know, uh, making the whole um, uh, rail and employee experience uh, a lot better than what it yeah, is. And, and right now with with the uh, national negotiations and the presidential emergency board and uh, you know it's it's been rather contentious <laughs> as yeah. a lot of us know you know quality of life uh, 
is uh, is important. And uh, you know, I think everybody in this industry realizes that railroads operate twenty four seven. Okay, it's not an office job. You know, people out in the field, it's uh, uh, you're on call. Um, and uh, one of the difficulties uh, this industry has is attracting new talent and retaining that talent. So when you talk about quality of life and managing the 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 crew or employee experience, whether it's crew calling or scheduling or whatever, that that to me that seems to be really critical at at, at this juncture. I hope we don't have a strike in a month, <laughs> mid September. But uh, you know. You're so right, Bill, because, you know, I think it's one of those, you know, cliches um, that you pretty much apply to actually in the industry and more so the real industry, which is so, you know, uh, labor uh, intensive uh, in terms of, you know, people running uh, the business as such, uh, that, you know, ESAT equals uh, CSAT, which is if you've got a happy employees, you've got great customers uh, and by customers in this case will be the end customers for rails, right? So, um, and and that's a, you know, uh, that, that's a great paradigm shift, uh, you know, I'm, I'm seeing in the industry, which is focusing more on quality of life and therefore that impacting the way um, that uh, the, the trains uh, will run therefore um, and, uh, and impacting therefore their end customers in a positive way. And, and to the other point that you were making, which is, you know, as uh, we're uh, as we focus on uh, optimizing the employee experience, um, that from just a word of mouth perspective helps attract better talent uh, for the industry and um, and uh, helps with some of those uh, shortages uh, from a workforce standpoint that um, uh, seem to uh, exist in the past. So, and of course, then that improves the overall fluidity of the real such and so on. Yeah, I, I think you'd probably uh, call it uh, people uh, or human resource utilization. You know, railroads talk about equipment utilization, equipment turns, having the right equipment in the right place at the right time, but, it's, but that's people too. And uh, as consumers, you know, getting away from the railroad as consumers, you know, we're used to having information at our fingertips uh, and just having our whole, you know, the consumer experience being very seamless and very user friendly. And um, would you say that your or PS Technologies, uh, and one of your intents is to make the the employee experience more like being a happy consumer? to put it in simple terms no no you're so right and you know we're we're all spoiled in our individual personal lives by the great amazon experience for instance which is hey you know everything's just at the click of a button and you know uh, and lo and behold uh, something uh, arrives uh, before you know it so um and that i think has amped up uh, at an individual level therefore about how we expect services to be delivered virtually everywhere and, um, you know, so whether that is uh, as a uh, end consumer or in this case, like you asked me about from an employee standpoint, how can you push out more self-service and, and, and do a lot of things uh, digitally to be able to therefore, you know, cut through the whole red tape, so to speak, and, uh, and bring in, um, you know, uh, more seamlessness and in the manner in which uh, employees are experiencing um, you know their uh, their time uh, whether that's about you know 
um, uh, returns the example that I was giving you earlier, you know, doing something just in flow four clicks and uh, and managing some of that um, um, very, very effectively to, of course, you know, making information available to um, to the um, uh, to the workforce. I think, you know, some of those things are increasingly being, um, you know, uh, I think uh, are, are an area of increasing focus for railroads and that's, that's how we're helping um, you know, uh, you know, railroads in that sense. You know, some of the other ways that we are also doing this, for instance, is uh, this a new way of how we are uh, administering, uh, you know, employee qualifications. Uh, for instance, you know, um, and uh, and providing a complete end-to-end -end service around this in terms of how we will manage, uh, you know, certifications and licenses and and skills into a consolidated platform that we've developed um, and in uh, doing all of this almost like a business process as a service, you know, creating the platform, delivering the business process off it and, and doing this end to end uh, for a, a railroad and that then, you know, uh, from a service provider standpoint, gives us a greater amount of accountability and ownership of the business process as such. Um, so, so those are those those are again some of those things that uh, we're doing as a company and pivoting on um, to be able to make uh, the railroad and their uh, employee experience uh, much better. So, what we're talking about here as a foundation is a lot of data. A uh, tremendous amount of data. I'm sure you're well aware of the term big data. Right. Uh, so for railroads, it's been, well, we have all this data. What do we do with it? How, how do we utilize it? So what rail data sources uh, do you think are candidates for, for uh, as you described, dashboards and then process improvement? So, you know, I mean, the thing about data, of course, is uh, you've got tons and tons of it in literally every organization. And um, and how do you therefore um, a, uh, harness um, all of that uh, vital information, whether that is just, um, you know, from the locomotive itself to employees, uh, you know, uh, employee information and and so on, and um, and then make better sense and meaning out of, uh, you know, all data. So for instance, what we did more more recently with um, um, a railroad is we created a data lake for them. Um, you know, um, they had multiple legacy systems, obviously, uh, like uh, a lot of railroads do, and that's no surprise. And multiple databases, therefore, uh, that constituted uh, e e several of these systems. And how do you you know consolidate them and create a data lake on Azure, like we did in this case? Um, and uh, and then we use Snowflake for you know, merging some of these, um, you know, uh, data sources and created uh, more visibility in dashboards that, um, you know, uh, that they were able to consume more effectively uh, and so on. So that's that's one way that uh, we're helping. But, but, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the uh, right candidates or some of the uh, areas, uh, you know, Obviously, you know, local medical availability, availability of the crew, um, you know, uh, revenue from your customers uh, and so on, um, you know, how that's trending. And um, and then, of course, you know, uh, 
from a mechanical standpoint, you know, there'll be employee facing, uh, you know, uh, information and da data that you can, uh, you know, create visualizations and dashboards around, and uh, and also from a customer satisfaction perspective. So, so those 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 are you know some I I would say obvious and leading candidates, uh, but but then. You know, you could really apply this to several other instances, and and I'm sure it was, uh, you know, uh, thinking about um, you know creating greater visibility within their business as such, and and that's how we're helping uh, both, uh, you know, from a transactional, but um, you know, uh, other uh, you know core data sources to be able to um, make their life better. So. Leveraging efficiencies uh, with technology. Um, one area that you're, uh, you mentioned here is compliance management and cost avoidance. Did you um, speak to that for a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So I think from a compliance management and a cost avoidance uh, perspective, you know, I think um, what we're really focusing on, um, and I think you alluded to that in, in the intro, as well, which is, hey, how can you make uh, the workforce uh, better trained, better skilled, and more compliant uh, from, um, you know, uh, from a training standpoint, so you're able to run your trains more uh, effectively, improve safety, and so on, and, and some of our simulation solutions have been deployed fairly extensively within the railroad ecosystem. And we've seen, you know, incidents reduce by about 50% and uh, the recordable accidents by about 37% just using some of our simulation solutions. And uh, and that that's what we mean by, you know, leveraging tech for a greater compliance and cost avoidance, uh, you know, as, um, uh, as new workforce gets introduced uh, into the ecosystem. Um, you know, they need to, they're, they're, they're not going to be folks who've had the tenure for, you know, like um, their predecessors in the past who, who worked for rail for maybe a few decades and, and the experience of learning kicks in, um, you know, they, they need to be trained um, as well. So, uh, and that's where some of our solutions uh, help uh, bring in that uh, level of compliance and uh, drive cost avoidance. And, you know, some, some of the other things like PTV, et cetera, for instance, um, that, of course, you know, how we, we've seen help save several hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, improving operational efficiency and, of course, uh, reducing accidents for um, the rails and so on. So, um, and, you know, something like DP training, for instance, it, again, has helped reduce derailments um, and... Uh, uh, break tools for railroads. So, so there's very many ways that you could uh, drive greater safety, greater compliance, and therefore drive, uh, you know, cost avoidance for uh, railroads as, as such. Do you think uh, today's railroads are the, the, the need to get employees up to speed uh, with, with all the training they need, especially where, where safety is concerned? Uh, do you, do you think that's become more intense? The time frame has, has shortened, you know, cause, uh, especially with a lot of institutional knowledge, uh, going, going away, you know, 
people who come into this business new, uh, the field employees, you know, they, it seems to me as though they may not have uh, as much time. They have the same requirements. They have the same uh, amount of, in simple terms, stuff <laughs> to yeah. learn, you know, how, what, what, what to do, how to, from operations down to, uh, you know, everything, tra track work, uh, just s simple things uh, like, like how to get on and off equipment safely. Uh, do you do you think that time frame in which they need to get proficient has shrunk, and therefore you need a way to compensate for that? In other words, they don't have as much time to get up to speed as maybe their predecessors did 20, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, you're right in that observation, Bill, and um, and that and that's the point I was sort of starting to make earlier, which is you know as you have a greener workforce, um, which is, you know, not as tenured uh, and so on. Um, but there is obviously a drive and a motivation to get them, uh, you know, to the right uh, skill and competency levels, um, you know, at the, at the fastest that you can. That's where technology, again, can play a great role in terms of, you know, how you can train, um, you know, folks um, and, and, you know, also drive the right level of um, you know qualifications and certifications that they need to possess to be able to do their jobs more effectively and and that's something that that tribal knowledge that you were alluding to you know the institutional knowledge as it dissipates you know that's where technology can come in and play the role uh, uh, very effectively now a lot of what ps technology does is tied to regulation uh, here I'm talking about the Federal Railroad Administration, you know, the Code of Federal Regulations. And uh, from your perspective, uh, as a technology company, uh, is the regulator keeping up with with the times? Uh, uh, there have been some, you know, there's been some criticism where, no, it's not. Others say, well, we're trying. Um, what's what's your perspective? Uh, and, and And if it's and if your view is well, more needs to be done. What what areas do you think uh, the the FRA needs to do, uh, embracing modern technology? Well, I think the FRA fundamentally has been doing a great job. Uh, you know, in, in the role of the regulator, I think they've driven a whole lot of uh, you know uh, policy decisions to drive safety um, uh, of operations. Um, you know. Within uh, within the uh, uh, you know uh, within the whole environment, um, we do know for a fact that you know uh, uh, what they're they're now there you know the call to action really I think <clears throat> from my perspective is that there needs to be a swifter integration of some of these advanced rail technologies uh, and um, and the push uh, consistently being made therefore is because uh you know as you are getting um you know there are technology advances that are being made um and at the same time you know freight volumes um etc are um only increasing uh, as they have over a period of time um and you do want to make sure that you know you're running operations as efficiently as effectively but most importantly as safely as you can uh, well, I mean, it's never, um, um, you know, uh, you can never ever in any, um, you know, situation say, well, have they done all they need, uh, needed to? 
I'm pretty sure that you know that, that there's stuff that uh, is on their roadmap from a regulation standpoint. But, but broadly speaking, I would say you know I think they've done a great job from a re regulatory standpoint, and um, you know the onus is really they've been, been on the rails as such to be able to drive uh, the level of compliance and uh, safety that um, they're asking uh, them to maintain. Mm -hmm. Closing thoughts uh, from you, being that you're, you're uh, as you said, you're relatively new to the industry and PS Technology is, well, it's a technology company. So what's your overall view of, of this industry and, and, and where, where it's headed? Uh, it seems to me as though what I get from you is that you, you seem to be very optimistic, but you're, you're cautiously optimistic. Well, yeah, you're right, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm guilty as charged as far as my vintage with the industry is concerned. But having said that, you know, I mean, uh, I, I'm very optimistic for the industry as such because, you know, what's, and depending on the statistics that you go, uh, go with, you know, uh, as you're going to have uh, a more urban uh, planet, um, you know, I think United Nations, somebody said about, 70% um, of uh, the whole world is going to live in big cities. And what that's going to mean is that, you know, there's going to be more freight traffic, more passenger traffic, and so on. And um, uh, and having said that, the overall capacity of the train, um, uh, of the railroads uh, in terms of tracks, et cetera, is fairly finite, right? I mean, uh, you don't necessarily see that expanding. And, and while that's happened, you know, um, this uh, increased density of uh, rail traffic and, uh, you know, the volume of freight carried uh, over the last, I think, 30, 40 years uh, has been phenomenal. Um, and, and railroads have obviously had to respond to that change. Um, a lot of them had systems that were 30, 50 years old. Um, and, um, and also um, they didn't have, you know, technologies uh, like you have today in terms of sensors and IoT and, and so on to be able to make more meaningful uh, decisions to be able to drive their operations more effectively and efficiently and, and, uh, and so on. So, so I, I, I do personally believe from just a technology lens perspective, you know, that technology is needed. And, uh, and when you think of some of these things, you know, in terms of how you can drive greater you know, automation, robotics, uh, big data, um, you know, cloud computing and the likes, you know, there is from purely a technology standpoint, you know, uh, great potential uh, for PST as a company and for the industry at large uh, to, you know, leverage off in terms of what are some of the things that you can do and so on. And, um, yeah, so I, I've, I've had a wonderful uh, you know, initiation in the industry, um, um, you know, and uh, um, and working with some fantastic companies uh, or, or customers that is, um, you know, who have the right vision and the right strategy to be able to take their uh, organizations forward. And PST is, uh, you know, uniquely positioned to help them uh, given our vantage point as a company, our, given our history and our pedigree and, um, you know, some of the cutting edge and enterprise trade solutions that we have today, which are literally, you know, unmatched. Um, so, so, so I'm personally excited about PSC's journey and, and my own growth uh, in the role that I am in.
Well, uh, we are very happy that uh, you're part of this industry, and I think you'll find that if it hasn't already gotten to, into your blood, uh, it will <laughs> very yeah. shortly. Oh, absolutely, and I do look forward to that. It, uh, you know, I have tracks running into the wings now, so yeah. Abi uh, Bond, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh, it's, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and uh, thank you to PS Technology for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, we do have a webinar coming up uh, shortly, so uh, you are, to our, uh, our listeners, you'll be receiving information on that. Again, thanks for joining us, and uh, I like to say have a safe day. Thank you. Thank you, Bill, and thank you for having me, and uh, to the listeners, you know, um uh, you know we'll of course have a webinar we hope all of you can join in and get some more detailed insights into some of the uh, things that we spoke about with bill today so thank you so much you're very welcome